Hello, everybody. Welcome to Bass Squad Radio, episode number five. TG's here. <clears throat> I was going to do one earlier, but I've been violently ill since Thursday. I have caught the ridiculous stomach flu, and I'm going to try and make it to this podcast. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute mess for the last few days, so i got to do something to take my mind off of it. So I uh, yeah, decided to do a podcast quick. I don't know how long it's going to be, but we'll see. Um, yeah, so this weekend I have been bedridden basically for the most part, and uh, <clears throat> I started reading up on uh, stuff like crazy theories and crazy stuff, and I t- stumbled on this guy. I've heard of him before, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's uh, he's an astrophysicist, and if you want to like feel worse about yourself, <laughs> uh, I would give him a listen because he isn't one of the smartest people I've ever listened to in my entire life. And he's talks about the cosmos and stuff and wraps it up. And he's actually a really funny dude and he's absolutely brilliant. And he's just kind of a rare combination of uh, someone who is well liked and he's a scientist. So he's, he's, he's cool. I would check him out. Um, But yeah, he was getting on this um, topic of a multiverse and, how it's just I can't even try to put it in the words that he used. It's it's insane. But one of the most interesting things he was talking about is how um like discoveries that there's tributaries and there used to be an insane amount of water on Mars and there might still be. We don't really know because we haven't actually landed there um, as like you know people. I mean there's rovers and stuff. But he was um, saying how he was ex- explaining about extremophiles and how there's you know, organisms that live in like the harshest con- har- harshest conditions and no oxygen and completely anaerobic type of organisms. So he was saying that there's a theory out there now that is there's backed by some evidence that in the distant distant past Mars was actually thriving with life, and some sort of catastrophic event happened, which caused it to lose all of its atmosphere and lose all of its life with like a, a comet or a, some sort of meteor in distant, distant past. I mean, way before Earth even had, was teeming with life. And the there was a piece of the planet actually broke, broke off, and it was called a planetesimal. And it, no, the, trust me, this is me just idiot, idiot, idioting it up, <laughs> if that's a word. But I'm trying to explain it the best I can in my words. Okay, so this thing broke off of Mars, and, collide, and it got into our atmosphere and extremophiles from Mars actually rode over and seeded Earth. So yeah, we are all Martians in that theory, which is kind of cool. So if you, uh, yeah, and it makes my head hurt thinking about it. So if you want to complain about your coffee not made right, just think of, uh, just think of that and uh, read about uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's multiverse theory. So there goes the nerd section of the of the uh, the podcast, and I'm going to get uh, onto the actual bass fishing stuff. So I've been kind of thinking and talking about this with my, my other buddies about the cheaters and how there's just an insane amount of people constantly. It seems like there's a lot more now. It's just you got to be pretty damn low to cheat a bass tournament. Now, I heard about the guy that, you know, stuck an 11-ounce weight, I think it was, down some bass's gullet. Now, come on. I mean, I don't understand the, the – I, I wouldn't 
I don't know. I wouldn't even uh, give the opportunity. I'm not fishing for the money. I don't understand what, what gets into these people. I think it's just one of the lowest things you can possibly do. I mean, first of all, no one's going to ever have respect for you ever again, so you might as well throw that out the window, especially if you get caught. I don't know. It's just, it's rampant, and I, I don't get the point. And if you got to cheat, go ahead and cheat. I guess that's my, my thing, but, you know, it's just, it's just sick and disgusting, and you know, I, I just hope that people have a little better common sense than to do something stupid like that, or you know, holding fish on a dock or some something dumb like that. So I don't know. It's just it's just getting out of control, and people there there. But the thing is, is sometimes there's a little like the guys pre-fishing before the tournament too quickly, and for fishing with different you know types of people. Now to me that that is uh that's okay, and I don't, I don't think that's, I think that should be a little bit more lenient. I mean, with the advent of all the social media and stuff like that, and with the amount of uh, information we have at our hands these days, why can't we fish closer to tournament time? I mean, I don't see the problem in fishing the day before. So, especially in, like, club tournaments and stuff kind of uh, lower lower level tournaments, when guy, you know, the off limits period is Wednesday through Friday, and the tournament's on Saturday or something like that. I don't understand that because most of us work, and the only time we have the fish is the day before, the night before, I should say. So, I don't know. There's 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 a few things that uh, kind of bother me about certain tournament trails, and I don't think you should be disqualified if you fish with a certain person. Like, why not? I mean, any advantage you can get, go ahead and get it, as long as it's not outside the you know, inside the ethical code with fishing. I mean, that's just my two cents, so. All right, we got uh, one guy that's been emailing us quite a bit, and he wants a couple questions answered. What was my first impression about Alabama rigs? <clears throat> are you surprised they are gone as fast as they appeared tournament route-wise, and has your opinion changed about them since then? There's a few, well, you know, let me start off by saying I don't I do agree with you know Alabama rigs not being able to be used in higher end tournaments. Um I mean I've seen it happen multiple times. There it, it is an art form to use it. I'm not going to say it's not. You can't just fire them around and expect to catch them, but if you know how to use them a little bit, it does take a lot of factors out, especially the luck factor. I mean it it brings in a higher luck factor, I believe. And it, uh, I don't know, it, it's just, it's one of those baits that, it just, it gives the, it gives the average, it, it evens the playing field a little bit too much to me. Like, I'm trying to equate it to something, something else, but I can't really think of anything right offhand. Um, like, I don't know, it's just one of those things that, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know how to try to word this, but, yeah, I, I don't think that they should be allowed in just, just because, I mean, I've seen it many times where, like, I'd be casting a jig on something and I'd just throw out an Alabama rig for no reason and I'd catch a giant doing it. And I would have never done that had it not existed. So it's just it's just not a bait that I believe that should be used in, in tournaments. But, unfortunately, a lot of tournaments does allow it, so you got to learn how to do it. It's just another one of those things where, even if you don't agree with it, if you 
do you want your ethics to be hamper you from doing anything, hamper you from winning potentially? So I think you got to just go with the flow sometimes and learn how to do it. And I'm not going to say it's not fun because it is an absolute blast. You can get on a good Alabama rig bite. I've done it many times. Those people that say that they haven't, they don't really like them or whatever, or they don't, you know, it's not fun. It doesn't, but they obviously haven't gotten on a. I mean, you can cast those things out. And when you, when one hits it for real, I mean, it feels like you run into a brick wall. It, it is, it is an absolute blast throw. Now, well, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just. It is one of those touchy subjects. It is. It's hard to hard to sit here and try to uh, debate it with myself because I don't really. I do think that it shouldn't be allowed to be used on, on a pro tour circuit because it's just it. It gives the average Joe guy like I can go out there and catch two eight pounders, and I don't have any idea what I'm doing and catch a couple. I mean, I do have a couple stories on how awesome the Alabama ring is, and it's it has it is awesome. I mean, it's a fun thing to throw, and it was very innovative by Elias to throw it, but. You know, do I think that, what does it say here, um, are my surprised they're gone as fast as they appeared? I mean, they're, they're really not gone. I mean, they're, they're one of those things that I feel like is going to hold up. Now, I've had disagreements with people in the past saying it's just too much action and whatever, but it's just one of those things that it hits, it appeals to so many of that bass's senses, and it, it is such a primal bait. It's such a primal instinct that they hit that it's not going to go away fast. Now, the guy that I was talking to said it's too much action, and it just kind of will fizzle away and look at the baits that stick around, like the the Senko, the Jig, the simple simple Jig, you know. Um, they're baits that don't have too much flash, and that's kind of it's kind of a good point because those the flukes will stick around, the uh, the brush hog will stick around. A lot of those, like, fad baits that catch a bunch of fish and then all of a sudden get overused and then fish get conditioned and, you know, they stop working. But I don't think the Alabama rig is one of those things. I think it is a legit thing during uh, – and, you know, it's a great practice bait, to be honest. If you Even if you don't use it during a tournament, it does find fish. Um, yeah, so I I think that the Alabama rig is never going to go away. I mean, anybody who's fished Lake Connorsville before during the uh, early spring, I mean, you got a duck <laughs> – <laughs> just just fishing around people. So my opinion hasn't really changed. I kind of thought they were kind of ridiculous from the beginning, but I mean, I've used them and they're they're fun. So yeah, so that's about my uh my little spiel about the Alabama. I don't know how well I did on that. <laughs> so um so yeah, we got uh got something to say quick about uh a potential podcast sponsor in the future um it's sangamon valley cranks um if you want to check them out it's on twitter at sangamonvalley.com or at sangamon valley and that is spelled s-a-n-g-a-m-o-n-v-a-l-l-e-y it's a uh by this guy that listens to the podcast his name is matt birmingham he wants us to check this out so he wants to let you guys know about it um, you can check them out on Facebook also. They are, uh, he wants to keep them a little bit cheaper than normal, like, custom-colored p- crankbaits. Um, he doesn't know exactly what line he's going to be carrying. It's kind of a new thing for him. So follow him on Twitter, hit him up on uh, Facebook and stuff like that, and tell him we sent you. And, yeah, it'll be, they look pretty sweet from what I kind of cruised around on it. 
So yeah, check them out. Um, also, this website that we have been talking about since this podcast started is live. It is absolutely live, and I can't. I'm really excited about it. We we've gotten some really good feedback from the website, from people that have visited the website and ordered stuff, and it's uh, pretty much. It, it, I don't know. It's just a dream come true for me to actually see our products out there and people to be receptive about it. So please check it out. We got just two things for sale on there right now. We got our sweatshirts and our T-shirts and. Uh, Guess what, guys? I'm going to be an asshole and not tell you the promo code until after the podcast is over, until right around the done. So, I mean, you can be a dick about it and fast forward to the end, or you can listen to us. I mean, it's about your choice. So I'm going to give you a promo code to enter in at checkout that you can save yourself 10%. Now, we'll, I'll uh, mention that at the end. So, obviously, in the future, it's not going to hold up, so I'm just going to say it right at the beginning. But right now, hey, just listen to this one. Um, I also got the, been seeing on Twitter about, about this new thing called Pro Web Live. Now, I kind of wanted to check it out and see what the uh, what the fuss was about it, and because that Defoe has been tweeting about it quite a bit, and I'm just gonna go on their website and read about it. It's kind of kind of interesting and kind of a cool uh, cool deal. Um, Pro Web Live offers a non-traditional, cutting-edge concept coming soon to living rooms and banquet halls around the world. ProWeb Live combines a seminar, TV show, social media, and online retailer into one compact production. ProWeb Live is the very first company that scheduled live, interactive, outdoor online seminars. Through our unique online approach, PWL is pleased to be offering a win-win-win opportunity for professional speakers, fans, and every and event planners alike, helping avoid all-cost chaos and inconvenience and necessary travel. Now everyone can enjoy the benefits of not having to leave the comfort of their own home. And there's, like, guys on here that, you know, they're going to be, I think it's 50 bucks per seminar, and you get, like, a slideshow and them talking, and it's all, you know, focused on certain techniques and what have you. Uh, they got Jason Christie, Aaron Martin, Shaw Grigsby, Brent Ayler, Atifo, Dave Lafibra, Jimmy Houston, Edwin Evers, Palinuk, and Mark Rose. Now, this is kind of a sweet deal, I think. Um, yeah, it's a little bit pricey, but... When they put it in the fact of, you know, you spend more just going to one of these things. Now, this you can listen to over and over, take notes, do all you got to do. It's it's a cool thing. I think it's going to be changing. Uh, there's You can just see all these things that are really, really exciting to me that are really changing, uh, really trying to attack this industry at a different angle. Like, you know, our kind of, so, like our kind of, like our uh, mission, you know. So, yeah, um, it's uh, it's really cool. I mean, it, it's it's um, definitely a good deal. Uh, I guess I don't don't really have much else to say about it, so I'm not going to. <laughs> I tried to uh, maybe improv a little bit about it, but you know, just check it out proweblive.com or check it out on Defoe's Twitter or check them out on YouTube. Yeah, so. Uh, I got a couple things to talk about, about actually uh, a couple little fishing techniques type of things. Um, I'm going to probably do a video on this too, but a lot of people ask me, because like I'm a really hardcore frogger and I kind of let that be known. A lot of people ask me about the like how I trim them or if I trim them. Now, 
Well, it's Spro, like I, I'm just going to say this based on the Spro because that's all I use. I think they're the best frogs on the market by far. I don't really believe that they have a competitor in the market for, as far as frog fishing goes. Now, I'm not downgrading anything else. I prefer Spro's and that's it because I have had no issues with them. And every time I try a different one, you know, I always end up going back. So if you're not, if you don't like Spro's, maybe give them a try. If you're loyal to something else, well then apply what I'm about to say to something else. So, okay, when I, uh, this is going to be kind of difficult to explain over the podcast, but, you know, when, when you get the Spro's, they have a pretty long, long uh, legs on them. So what, you, what I do all the time, and now I don't, I don't really subscribe to the theory of keeping them super long over mats because it creates more surface area and it... Let's make it easier to detect. I mean, if a bass wants it over a mat, a bass is going to get it over the mat. It doesn't. I've seen too many times with a bass short strike it because the legs are too long. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, or something like that. So I always keep them at a good length where I can continually walk it with no problem. And also, I still get that extra, you know, extra vibration through through the frog legs. Now, what I do is I actually take the frog. I grab the, I pinch the legs together, I pull it up towards the, the line tie, and wherever the, where the frog legs actually cross the line tie, that's where I trim it at. And then it leaves them about, I don't know, two and three quarter inches long, maybe three inches long, maybe a little bit less. It, it's, to me, that's the perfect size. Now, I don't trim one leg smaller. I think it's pretty, if you want to, if you know how to walk the, walk the dog with one it's yeah, i think it's the perfect size and it it does prevent short strikes now sometimes i trim them a little bit shorter depending on uh on the conditions and depending on if i want them to see something a little bit smaller what's it, what's that but i don't really use the spro juniors because they can't they don't skip as well they don't they cast fine but i just i prefer just the original bronze eye 65s now some people like the king daddies i've haven't really messed around with those. I guess you don't really want to fix them and it's not broken. I do like, I don't know, I, I pretty much use two colors, three colors actually. I use the ready or killer gill color in the summer or I use a white or a black. White frog I always use in the spring. I mean, I obviously have other things, but that's just, that to me, that's the three colors you need. A bluegill imitator, a white frog, and a black frog. So if you're starting out, just try those out first and then experiment a little bit after that. So that's my two cents. Now also with the, with, with the, on the color topic, this is something that I've definitely been in a bunch of arguments with people over. Now, I have a completely minority view on this when it comes to color choices with anything, not just frogs with jigs or plastics or something like that. I... I don't know. Besides, aside from the color black and blue, <clears throat> I think that fish prefer natural colors almost all the time. Whether it be super clear water or super stained water or muddy water or whatever. The reason I think this is because the fish that are in the super dark waters are conditioned still to eat the the bait fish or the, the craws or whatever, that are the natural colors. So they're more prone to be hitting. Now, this is completely 
something that I came up with on my own. So this might not be even true, but this is what I kind of believe. Let's say you got a bluegill collar and you're told not to use supernatural colors, but those fish are used to eating bluegills. So they, I don't know. That's why I like using natural colors pretty much all the time aside from black and blue. Now people will say, you know, it stands out more, but you know, the, the fish still got to eat and they will eat. I don't know. I think that always stick with natural colors. That's my kind of a kind of a idea. I don't really use too much out there colors to stand out on purpose because, you know, the fish aren't used to it. Now I'm not saying it doesn't work. Obviously it's all about confidence and that's what I have confidence in. So take that with a grain of salt. I think that that's just my view. You know, fish doesn't see a chartreuse blueback thing. It'll see something. Obviously it's supposed to mimic it, but it's used to seeing something that's silver. Let's say if you're fishing for a large mouth and it's shad bite, you don't want to use something that's chartreuse, use something that's silver, I think, because that's what they're used to seeing. So, so that's, uh, that's my little thing. It's, it's nothing that's based in any fact whatsoever. So, so yeah, that's about what I got to talk about that. Um, oof, next week, Tuesday, we are leaving for the Bassmaster Classic, and I am so stoked about that. It's unbelievable. That means road trip time, and because we're up here in a frozen tundra and just an absolute hellhole, it's Wisconsin. It's still snowing. It's still freezing cold, and it's not supposed to get any better anytime soon. So pretty excited that we actually got to go see open water. Haven't seen it in a while. Um, I got a really good road trip story for the. I'll say that for the end, but but yeah, so the classic, if you guys haven't uh, joined it yet, we have a fantasy fishing group up on Bassmaster.com. The uh, group name is hashtag Bass Squad, and the password is Bass Squad 13. Now, we don't know what we're going to do. We're gonna, we might give away a free sweatshirt, or maybe it's just a free shirt for the just the classic and the sweatshirt and some other things for the uh, the end of the year thing, but... I don't know. We don't really. We're not 100 percent sure on what we're gonna. We gotta discuss it. We got another week and a half to discuss it. So uh, maybe I'll throw in a couple of profound jigs or profound other things into the mix too. So um, yeah. So we're gonna be talking shit the whole time. Uh, we all, <laughs> every one of us, part of the group also joined. Um, I'm go frog yourself if you guys want to talk garbage to me. Uh, my fantasy team right now is, as it stands, I'm probably going to change it before <laughs> before it actually starts. My fantasy team right now is Mike Iconelli, Keith Combs, Brandon Polinick, and Yusuke Miyazaki. Now, I really like Yusuke Miyazaki for the main reason is he has been really flying under the radar. I think he's going to be have a breakout team. He was pretty high up in the angle of the year race last year, and this is going to be one of his you know, first classic, so he, I, I think uh, it kind of, he, he seems to crank and he seems to power fish, so I think Gunnersville is going to shape up for him. He's not your traditional Japanese angler where, uh, you know, obviously there's a couple of Japanese guys on the tour that don't do this as far as drop shots and that, but he's not that traditional Japanese angler like that. I mean, Tak isn't either, but it's, I think he'll he'll show up pretty well, and he was my lower end. I think this D group um, pick and Brandon Palinick for obvious reasons. That dude shows up in the classic, and last year he didn't show up. He had a bad classic, so he did well in 
or no, last year he did amazing. The year before that he didn't show up. I don't know. He he he's on fire right now. His AOI ranking doesn't really show it, but that's because he was, if you don't remember, he was absolutely dominating on lacrosse and then got DQ'd by a stupid calling loss. So I think he's going to show up in the Classic in, in Gunnersville. Um, Keith Combs, another one of those guys that's a, a deep cranker. He's a stud on on those type of bodies of water. And I can only another, this is 100% gut feeling because he hasn't won in a while and he has won on Gunnersville before. And another one, just like Kalanick, the guy shows up on Classics. He prepares for those things more than anybody. So <clears throat> I think that the guys who figure out those huge pods of big fish on drop-offs or on uh, bluff ledges or something like that with a crankbait or a football jig, I think a 10XD is going to be a big player in this Classic. Um, and I also think a one-ounce football jig is going to be a player i've said this before but maybe you know aaron martins might uh whip out the spoon plug or something like that you never know what that guy is. so so there might be some some strange techniques that are used i think a, I think another one that could be used is a big single line swim bait um so steve kennedy may be one to watch out for uh byron velvick isn't fishing so i don't really gotta worry about him uh yeah so those big swim bait guys might be might play a role um kevin van dam just because I think he's going to play a role. Yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It, it's one another one of those tournaments where anything could anything could happen. You never know what the technique is. You know, it could be a, a rattle trap in shallow water because it's so it's so cold. So that could play a role. I mean, I know I've done it before. I've only caught a couple of big ones doing that in Gunnersville, but you know the numbers are definitely there for the shallow rattle trap in the back of a creek or something like that. So so yeah, that. Uh, that's my uh, little thing on and Casey and I. Well, okay. So another thing with this, I haven't really figured out how to wire a phone call to <laughs> to the podcast just yet. So the sensible thing is going to have to be on hold. Casey was going to call in tonight, but it's that's going to be on hold. We're we're, we're going together done with the classic, so it's going to be we're going to do a podcast just from our hotel room. So much easier to just talk. I think we're going to do a PTI type debate over uh, over our classic picks. So that should be fun. Um, yeah, so that should be next week sometime, the following week, actually, because it's whatever. So, so yeah. Um, but, yeah, Gunnersville is going to hold – it holds and always going to hold a special place in my heart because the first time we went down there, I expected it to be this slugfest, whatever, and it was not. It was so difficult the first couple days. We couldn't figure it out. Well, then – so we, we whipped out our map, and it was an early spring tournament, and we kind of thought it was going to be a pre-spawn or a spawn bite because we weren't really quite sure. So what Adam and I did were was we picked a creek that we saw a bunch of creek channels running into that looked like a spawning bed. Now we went there, or spawning uh, flat. We went there during practice, couldn't find anything, didn't catch a single fish, but it looked good and all the structure around matched up to our pattern, which we wanted to execute. So whatever, we, we kind of put that on the back burner. The day before the tournament, well, no, it was two days before the tournament. Now, keep in mind, I have never caught a fish over five and a half pounds at this point in my life because, you know, they don't get that huge up here in Wisconsin. So, so obviously 
so you know it's it was a nice warm day the day before and then it kind of dropped again so we we figured the fish were still in really hard transition mode so what we did was we went back into this creek we found like i said and, and i skipped my uh my bronze eye, my spro up underneath the tree and burn it out. Like I was saying before, I kind of let it sit there and I burned it out. I spazzed right on a tree limb and I'm not kidding you. This was, I mean, I almost died. It looked like a toilet bowl was flushed underneath my, my spro and it missed. So I set the hook on it and it missed it. And I looked over at Adam and he looked back at me and he goes, go ahead. I mean, this is during practice. So we had a pretty big tournament the next there on that weekend. So I swing back there immediately once it hits the water, the thing flies on it and I set the hook and my Revo drag actually slipped, which was insane because it's got twenty two pounds and twenty two pounds of drag and I'm I'm fighting the thing in, it's tail walking, it's doing all this thing, and I bring it in, get it finally lipped, eight pounder. I was jumping up and down, my knees buckled. It was one of the best moments of my entire life. And you know, that kind of solidified our idea that the fish were in transition mode, so we left that off. That was the only fish we had caught in this creek. Now, we tried to figure other things out deep. We couldn't really get it going, so there was this little spawning creek. That's all we had. So the first ter- day of the tournament, we uh, we get there, and we, we had, we'd caught them pretty good on Alabama rigs, actually up on bridges, but... 90% of the field was on the bridges and in the Alabama So we, we wanted to do something different. And, you know, we figured our only chance, being from up north and never really seen the lake before, was uh, was finding something a little different that, that they, uh, yeah. So so anyways, we're, we're back in this creek. And I want to say our fifth or sixth cast, Adam throws an Alabama rig next to this uh, island and went, brings in a seven-pounder. And we both freak out. And so we cracked on the rest of the day. We ended, well, not cracked on them in Gunnersville eyes, but in our eyes, we kind of cracked on them. So we uh, we caught one flipping. We caught, and then we caught the rest on Alabama rigs. And and it was just in a big creek, in a big creek arm, arm, kind of leading back to the most shallow spots. So it was I don't know seven eight feet. This is kind of different. We didn't really know how to throw an Alabama rig at this time, so we didn't really know what we were doing, but. We kind of figured it out, but so we ended up weighing in 17 and a half pounds the first day. We were in <laughs> good enough, and we we were kind of happy about it. And then also we weigh in, and we're sitting at 26 out of 150 or whatever it is. And we were kind of thinking, it's like, oh, geez, we need a couple of six pounders, seven pounders, because I think the leader had 30 pounds or something odd, crazy like that. But yeah, so then the next day we we get there, starts off the same. Adam gets a giant right away, and same exact spot too which is unbelievable and that spot was actually within a cast of the spot i caught the eight pounder so we caught i don't know i think it was six ten a seven and eight all within cast of each other and so we we sat there for a good two hours without a bite and this day was an absolute grind it was the one of the worst so we then i caught a, a big spotted bass a little bit later in the day on an alabama rig for some reason, Adam picked up his flipping rod and threw a pit boss, never threw it the whole week, and caught a four-and-a-half-pounder on it. And he was kind of freaking out because it was just one of those gut feelings, and he did it, and it worked. So we flipped a little bit, didn't catch another thing. So it was three fish. We had check-in at 3.30, and we had three bites. And we, and we had good fish, but... So 
So Adam keeps looking at his watch, keeps looking at his watch. We pull up to a spot we've never been to before. We had check-in at 3.30, like I said. It is 3.15, and we have a 12-minute run. And that's barring, you know, waves and, you know, well, we didn't really know because we were kind of in a protected, so we didn't know what the main lake was like. So we were planning on leaving by 3.15. So Adam looks at me, he says, one more cast. And he throws an Alabama rig off this point, never thrown there before, catches a four-pounder. Brings it in quick. I grab his rod, take it off the fish. I'm screwing around on the live well. Adam then takes his rod, takes his line, casts right back to the same spot, and gets another four-pounder. Back-to-back successive casts, he catches two fish to fill out our limit, and we ended up weighing in 22 pounds and taking top 15 in the tournament. And it was, it was one of those things that when we were driving back, I kind of was like just looking back at him and just like, dude, what just happened? Like, it was one of those awesome moments in fishing. That's why Gunnersville is going to hold a really special spot in my heart because that, that happened all on the same weekend, and it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's probably one of the best moments of my tournament career, and now I'll switch to one of the worst, one of the weirdest moments of my career. This was last uh, last summer, and I was up in Wisconsin. Um, I'm fishing off of my boat and with my buddy Casey, and we, I found, it's 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 a slugfest lake, I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to get in out, but it's a monster, it's a crazy good lake up here. I mean, 30 pound bags for six is pretty damn good for up in Wisconsin, and it's not Sturgeon Bay. But anyways, we kind of had a shallow bite going, and I figured I found this spot that I tended to get a few more bigger bites, but not many. So I started there in the morning, fifth fifth or sixth cast. I want to say I had a nice long bomb cast, and I mean, it's really hard to say on frogs how how big the fish was, but I mean, it was a giant. I mean, you could definitely see it cleared the water completely, and it was such a long cast, and it was foggy, kind of, like, didn't see, didn't have the frog in his mouth, set the hook, and the frog comes flying back at me. So, as I'm burning the bait back, or as I'm uh, winding up my my slack, I don't notice, but because the braid was so limp, it caught on the top of my, the tip of my rod, and snapped my, snapped my, um, the tip. So, that sucked. Casey cast back, doesn't catch anything, doesn't catch him. So that was kind of that kind of sucked, but so that was just a great start to the day. So I'm obviously already pissed, but I kind of collected myself, whatever. Then uh, we were getting into some really shallow water, so I unscrew my trolling motor to pull it up a little bit, and the rubber piece in the middle of the well, the, the, first of all, the thing swung open. The rubber piece in the middle fell in the water, so there's no isolator now. So I kind of can see it's just like a bar and then the the bracket so there's nothing like to hold it so it just slides right to the bottom and it moves all around so what I actually had to do too for the rest of the tournament was I used my tackle warehouse sweatshirt and I tied on the top and tied on the bottom and used my sweatshirt as like a replacement just pseudo jimmy rigged isolator so that was one of the weirdest things I've ever had to do and we ended up doing okay I mean we caught a couple of five pounders but there it wasn't it doesn't mean anything if you catch one or two you got to catch all five five or six so that was and then also it a huge lightning storm happened and a lightning bolt struck a tree legit a cast away from us so we had to pull off into the some we you know we had to pull up into some bar and sit there and it was just a mess so it was 
whatever that happened at <laughs> that tournament. But yeah, so uh um might as well uh throw this one in. But if you guys want to order some sweatshirts or some t shirts off of BasquadCorp.com, when you check out use the promo code BSR and save ten percent on your purchase. Um that is just simply the podcast purchase the podcast discount. So I'm gonna be maybe changing it up every month or so, maybe BSR and then the month. So use that code and you'll save yourself 10%. Um, I got one more story and I'll kind of wrap this bad boy up. Um, in the theme of road trips and bad stories. So we had a tournament down on the Harris chain. And if anybody are familiar with Wisconsin and Harris chain, they're not close to each other. Florida's pretty far away. And it was right around New Year's last year. So we drive down. I will not say who, and I drove down because whatever. This is why. We get down there. We fish. We did okay. We took fourth, I think, which was actually pretty solid, seeing as we didn't really ever see it before. So we're driving back, and it happened to be that guy's birthday, and his buddy lived in Orlando. So we went to Orlando, and we went out. So he got way too hammered, <laughs> and... We had to drive 23 hours the next day. So whatever, I mean, I'm not going to tell him to not drink or whatever on his birthday. So he wakes up, feels fine, starts driving, and he pulls over. And he goes, dude, I gotta. I think I got to just, I'm thinking I'm just going to make myself throw up so I don't throw up the rest of the week, the rest of the drive back. <laughs> and I'm not sick the rest of the drive back. So he pulls over to Walgreens or something, pukes in the bushes, whatever, you know, natural stuff for us Wisconsin boys to do. Goes in, gets the Powerade and that, comes back in, starts driving, and he has to puke again after he takes a sip. So he pukes. And he's like, dude, you want to just drive the first couple hours and let me get over this? And then his hangover hits. So I'm sitting there laughing at him. <clears throat> and every single time he took any gulp of anything, it instantly came right back up. So we're driving full speed, and he's got a bag with his head in there for the first five or six hours of the day. And I'm driving... <laughs> And he is just nonstop vomiting. It was, he had a headache because he couldn't get any water in him, so he was just puking the whole time. And it was just one of the most hilarious things. I cannot even imagine what it was like because we didn't have any, we didn't have any reason to stop. We had to get back. Well, no, we didn't have to get back. We wanted to get back for New Year's (laughs) so we could drink more. But yeah, that was brutal. And he finally got, ended up getting better. And was just every time he went out, I remember he went in, (laughs) he wanted to try and get a smoothie because maybe the nutrients or whatever from the, I think it was a naked juice, gets it, drinks it all, it's like $4 drink, turnover, looks, he goes and takes a nap, looks at me, throws up and says, oh, well, there goes that one. (laughs) Just was one of the most brutal things. And obviously I'm sitting there, good thing I'm not squeamish about that stuff, and I had to listen to him yakking for five straight hours. Yeah, that was, uh, hopefully that doesn't happen down in Gunnersville. Uh, yeah, but, uh, let's see what we're at here. 40 minutes? Okay, that sounds about right. We'll, we'll wrap her up. Uh, thanks for listening, you guys. I hope I did an okay job with being sick and all. Um, keep listening. I think I'm going to be doing two podcasts next week. And then, uh, a couple probably during the class. We're going to hopefully get some good, uh, Good footage because we're going to maybe stop at Chickamauga on the way down, maybe fish a little bit, 
before the uh, tournament actually starts. And then, yeah, do a couple podcasts from the hotel room, maybe interview some people, get some good pictures. You look at it on our Facebook page. But, yeah, so order some stuff on our website, guys. Support us. That'd be awesome. I would really appreciate it. And use the podcast code uh, BSR. That's Bass Squad Radio. So BSR, all capital letters. Um, Yeah, I think that's all about I have to say for this week. Uh, Yeah, peace out, people.